Well, grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, we are, uh, one of the things I've, I've really done in the 13, going on 14 years I've been a pastor, is I like to start the year looking at the life of Jesus in, in some form or fashion. Uh, where I served at before, we went bit by bit through the Gospel of Matthew. It took us uh, about five, six years to do that, and we usually stop around Easter um, and then return first a year. Here, we went through the Gospel of Mark. Last year, we looked at some of Jesus' parables. What I'd like to do this year is look at some of Jesus' miracles. And our primary um, perspective is going to be that of Matthew. And uh, we, we looked at virtually all of his parables through the lens of Matthew on Sunday mornings, looked at him through Luke's eyes on Sunday evenings um, last year. And now we want to look at some of his miracles. I suspect if two things people, when they think of Jesus... In the Gospels, they usually think of his parables and miracles, and rightly so. Uh, they are a central part, and like his parables, they always point us to the cross, and we want to do that. So Matthew chapter 8, uh, page 855 of your, of your pew Bibles, um, and we want to read the first four verses. So if you will, stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. The evangelist Matthew writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask, as always, as we begin this new year, uh, let it be that you open our hearts, that we would receive your word, our mind, that we would understand it, our eyes, that we would uh, see your glory as revealed in your word, our ears, that we would hear and heed your message, our mouth, that we would speak the truth of the gospel uh, to ourselves, to one another, and to the world around us, and to our hands and our feet, that we will go in obedience to Christ, transformed by that gospel. We are all like this leper if we would but see you with the same faith as the leper. May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. See you there. I want you to imagine for a minute, just we'll, we'll just play a, a game of, of, of imagination, okay? So you may have to think really hard, but I think we can do this. Imagine for a minute with me that uh, you had a contagious disease, uh, a virus even, and... Um, this disease, this virus, uh, puts you on permanent quarantine. Uh, you couldn't be around family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, deacons. You couldn't be around anyone. Uh, you couldn't go out in public. And, and if you went out in public, you would be shamed and ostracized. So there you are with your condition, your disease, your virus, and you are all alone. If you were to go out, you would have to, I don't know, wear a mask. You would have to have a sign that, that said, warning, I have this condition. And you would have to tell people if, as you were buying that milk or, or picking up the package from Amazon, whatever it is, you would have to let them know, don't get any closer because I am contagious. In fact, it's so bad and so permanent 
that uh, this life of social distancing makes you feel alone and, and you want to be around other people. And so you create a Facebook group of other people with your condition and you decide that you're all going to get together in a part of town that no one else goes to and you can create your own little colony. That way, uh, you can't affect each other. You're already infected with it. But at least this group of people, all ostracized, all alone, can at least build some uh, friendship, some community. Now, I know it's difficult to think of a scenario that may be related to that, uh, especially the last two years is foreign to us. But in many ways, that is exactly what a leper in the first century Judea would have gone through. They weren't under quarantine for two weeks. They were under quarantine for the rest of their lives. They were social, and we'll see here in a minute, religious outcasts. And imagine, if you will, the first narrative of a miracle in the Gospel of Matthew is for someone like that. Someone who had been ostracized, someone who was an outcast, someone who was permanently alone. That is the one in Matthew's telling that Jesus begins uh, with his miracle ministry. Now, I say it's the first narrative of a miracle. Of course, it's not technically that, right? You go back to Matthew 1 and 2, you, you get the virgin birth. That would be a miracle. Um, but, but in terms of Jesus performing a miracle, this is the first narrative. You can go back to Matthew 4 where there are references to Jesus performing various miracles, but this is the first narrative. Now, let's start with a little bit of background here. What, what exactly is leprosy? Well, in the Bible, the term leprosy is a condition we now call Hansen's disease. Now, I don't know if maybe 20 years ago, if some of you all had suffered from Hansen's disease. I, I don't. Maybe you can share with me after the service. Um, I did a little bit. I couldn't get it out of my system. The mbop, doo-doo-da-bop-bop, doo any child from the 90s, early 2000s? Just put that mbop joke right in the, your back pocket, right? You can Google Hanson and let that little earworm get in your, your mind and it will never leave you, okay? Boy, that was a terrible song, wasn't it? It, it made you want to uh, hope they play Britney Spears next every time Hanson came on, I'm telling you. But no, it is called Hansen's disease. And, uh, but at the same time, leprosy was a general term for other skin conditions. Now, it was viewed as a plague that would threaten the livelihood of a society. Uh, and, and they were constantly afraid of an epidemic of leprosy. Of course, we've learned the last two years, epidemic is different from pandemic. Pandemic is, it's everywhere. Pan, the Greek word for all. It's, it's everywhere. Epidemic is more uh, localized, and so they were afraid of this becoming an epidemic. Now, lepers in virtually every society throughout history until the modern world uh, were isolated and outcasted by their condition. Now, this is true in Judaism. A leprosy shows up throughout the Bible, and, and what the Bible says about leprosy helps us to understand this story. First thing we need to see is that lepers were unclean outcasts. In Leviticus 13, we get the laws regarding lepers, and it would begin if you had a questionable mark on your skin, you were to immediately be quarantined for two weeks, right? And this is before Netflix and, and too much politics on Facebook, right? I mean, you had nothing to do, right? So you were quarantined for two weeks just for having a questionable mark. Much in the same way, I know I've, I've been making jokes about COVID. It's the only way we, we can cope sometimes. But if you have a cough right now, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, no. 
oh no, right? And, and you're like, maybe it's just a cough. Maybe I was outside too long in the cold, wet weather over New Year's, right? Right? You start doing this. You're, you're afraid. So, too, if you got this, this bizarre mark on your skin, you thought, oh, no. So you're going to isolate, quarantine yourself for, for two weeks. Um, and if the mark isn't leprous uh, after those two weeks, then you are set free. You, you can see here in, uh, I'll quote verses 7 and 8 here, that if the scab spreads... You are declared unclean. That's a very serious issue in ancient Judaism. Uh, various things can make you ceremonially unclean, uh, and which, which bars you access to the temple, or in this case, tabernacle, which cuts you off really from God. Right? This is very serious. So you are declared ceremonially uh, unclean. Uh, the same thing in Numbers 5.2. Command the sons of Israel that they send away from the camp every leper and everyone having a discharge and everyone who is unclean. Discharge them. Get, get rid of them. Likewise, back in Leviticus 13, we see that a leper's clothes were to be burned uh, and he must warn others that he has leprosy, he is unclean, and he is to live outside the camp. Now, uh, we've been on a quarantine a few times over the last two years, like everybody else ha- has been. And I still remember the, the, uh, when we actually had it. We were quarantined for a month. I got it, which starts the clock, right? Then my wife gets it which well, you know, a week later, which pushes that back a little bit. And then the kids got it a week later, which pushed it back. Now, uh, a few of our family love to be home and left alone. They loved quarantine. Some of us, like myself, don't like quarantine, right? I can handle that for about a day or two, and then I need to go out and just breathe fresh air or something like that, right? Um, well, uh, I remember when, when, you know, we ran out of groceries. You can't go out for, for a month, right? And you remember uh, mom and dad come up and get us a few groceries, and we're like, okay, leave it, the groceries at the front porch, right? And then when Valt has left, we shall come out and collect them, right? You know, we, we put money in the mailbox. Give it three hours so that our COVID doesn't hit the money. Right? You remember all this, right? There's something similar going on here. You, you've got to burn everything. Uh, and you've got to announce you are unclean. And you're perpetually outside the camp. Which reminds me, uh, I need to tell you a time I broke the law. And I really did break the law or mandate or ordinance or... I don't know what term the kids are using these days on CNN. But when I got COVID, I, I knew my mother had it. And uh, uh, the next day, my dad got tested, which we knew he had it. So, so I thought, well, I've got it. I don't want my wife and kids to get it. Now, I'd already had it for a week. I'd, I'd gone to the doctor three times before I found out that I had it. And so I thought, well, I'm going to break the law and cross county lines. And I'm going to join my leper community with my mom and dad for a few days, hoping that my family doesn't get it. Well, they all got it anyway, so it was a waste, wasted trip. I wish you could have been there when we had uh, a, a COVID at, at my parents' house. Uh, mom just watched the uh, cooking channel. I've watched enough of the cooking channel in the two days I was at mom and dad's for a lifetime, okay? <laughs> um, and, and so we watched that, and we just sat there and stared into space in misery. That's about all we did, right? Uh, and then dad gets up one day, cooks um, cinnamon rolls, cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Son, if you want some cinnamon rolls, I got them in there. I only want one or two. Like, dad, I am dying from a communicable disease. <laughs> I want cinnamon rolls. I want like a hot dog, right? You know, I, I'm kidding. I, I ended up eating one cinnamon roll that day just so he'd leave me alone. 
What were we talking about? Yeah. So, so we create our own, own little thing. Well, so you see that you're, you're, you're unclean. Secondly, it's a metaphor for sin and punishments. In, in 2 Kings chapter 5, Gehazi comes down with uh, leprosy. You remember that Naaman is, is liberated from, he is cleansed, and, and the, the prophet Elisha says, uh, the leprosy of Naaman is now going to cling to you. Why? Because of your sin. Same thing happens in uh, 2 Chronicles 26. You remember King Uzziah got very prideful, and he goes into the temple, and he plays the role of priest. And, and, and it says there that, that he, he, right before their eyes, became a leper. And therefore, he was cut off from the house of the Lord, cut off from the temple, and he couldn't serve as king as, as, as much, right? His son had to take some of that place. Miriam, in, in Numbers chapter 12, we, we see the same exact thing. Because of her sin, there was leprosy, or she was judged with leprosy. We see something similar in, in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 9, my favorite story in the Gospel of John, um, there, there's a man born blind. You remember what they say? Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents. Why? Because the Jews associated such, such handicaps and disease with sin and judgment. So this is consistent throughout the Bible, that if you had a leper, it must be because you're a sinner. And thus, you are unclean. Thirdly, leprosy was a picture of death. We can go back to Numbers 12, the story of, of Miriam. Right? It says, oh, do not let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away. Same thing in Job chapter 18. His skin is devoured by disease. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. Finally, in 2 Kings 5, the story of, of Naaman and Gehazi. When the king of Israel read the letter, the request is, come, come help us. He tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive? See, a leper, you, you're going to have that for the rest of your life. And so it's often associated with death. Finally, we need to talk about the cure for leprosy. They didn't have vaccines back then. They didn't have treatments back then. And therefore, they understood that leprosy was incurable. But you can see throughout the Bible, plenty of people get cured. And to be cured from leprosy was a genuine divine act, a miracle. A few examples, Elisha, the prophet, uh, uh, healing Naaman. Uh, Miriam was miraculously healed in Numbers 12. And so although it required a miracle to be healed of leprosy, because they understood that it was divine intervention, the Jews would allow lepers to go back into society after they had visited with the local priests. Why? Because they understood leprosy had a spiritual meaning behind it. So, what do we do with this? Well, in the Jewish mindset, leprosy was more than just a dangerous disease. It was, we could say, a metaphor. Leprosy, like sin and death, left one unclean and outside the camp, thus perpetually unholy and unclean. And its only cure was divine intervention. No wonder, then, it is the inaugural miracle narrative of the Gospel of Matthew. So he has this, this great triumphant moment in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. He comes down the mountain, verse 1 says, and who is there to meet him? A leper. And all this is lying in the background. That guy that's unclean. He's unholy. He's outcasted. He, he's ostracized. He is unworthy of grace. And he's the one Matthew is going to zero in on to say, this is the first miracle I want you guys to see. It is a leper. 
And so he approaches Jesus, and we immediately notice things are out of whack. By law, this man is, first of all, supposed to be away from society. You see that everyone's following Jesus, and there in the middle of this crowd, someone not practicing social distancing, nor do we have it recorded for us, is he shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. But rather, he, he comes to Jesus, and, 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 he, and he begs him. He falls before him. Lord, if, if it's your will, you can make me clean. Notice the language is that of cleanliness, of cleansing. That is a spiritual term there. He isn't asking to be healed, though that's, that's what he means. He, he wants more than just to not be a leper anymore. He doesn't want to be outcasted by God anymore. He doesn't want to be under the judgment of God anymore. He wants to be cleansed. And you'll notice there in verse 3, before Jesus says anything to the man, what does Jesus do? He puts his mask on, of course, right? You know, he wears it around his neck, puts it up there. Uh, he's got a visor down. Uh, he, he's, he's ready to go. Now, notice that's not what he does. Notice what Jesus does. He touches the leper. Did you see that? We'll see this in a few weeks. He'll do it again uh, with Peter's mother-in-law. But he, he touches the leper. Now, think about it. If you knew Bob over here, we're going to pick on Bob, um, uh, but Bob over here, his name is spelled B-I-L-L, but he, he identifies as, as Bob. So Bob over here um, has COVID-19. And if you discover he has COVID-19, you know, according to the Centers of Disease Control, who never changed their mind or are ever wrong, they tell you, you have about a 15-minute period that you can be around him, Right? So you, you're not going to be close to him where he can breathe on you, where, where, where uh, uh, you're not going to touch him. You're not going to get near him, right? You're going to get all the way around. The last thing you're going to do is try to be as close to him as possible, right? Here Jesus sees someone with a communicable disease and he touches him. And we had to learn this the hard way under coronavirus, didn't we? Does anyone remember this cat right here, NBA player? I know this is Kentucky. We don't watch the NBA, okay? But you, but but. Back in last March, and hopefully no longer now, we watched too much news. So, so maybe you did see this. Uh, this is a guy named uh, Rudy Gohert. I could be mispronouncing his name, but I grew up in Kentucky and I don't do the NBA, right? It doesn't exist. This guy, right at the heart of coronavirus, March 2020, when everything started to be shut down, like March Madness. That's a little of a fan. I was glad we didn't have March Madness last uh, two years ago. How long have we been doing this? Anyways, and so, so the last thing he does after a post-game interview... Everyone's like, are you worried about coronavirus? I hear you've got the sniffles. He goes, nah, don't worry about it. He does this, wipes it all over the, the microphone. That's what he's doing there before he leaves is he's wiping all over. Come to find out the guy had coronavirus. Awkward. <laughs> that's, just, that's where things get real awkward. And of course, he went to Twitter, apologized, and everyone forgot about it. Except whenever I was looking for a servant illustration. Well, Jesus here touches the unclean and diseased leper. Now, notice here. We expect the leprosy to transform in order to communicate to Jesus, who now is expected to be a leper. But what happens is Jesus' power, Jesus' grace, Jesus' love is now communicated, transferred to the leper. You see what a radical difference that is? That's the real miracle of, of this passage and, and so the man is clean. He is willing, and immediately he was cleansed. 
Remember, that's a theological spiritual term, not just a medical one. He was cleansed. And then we get there, verse 4. Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded, which we saw some of that in Leviticus 13, for a proof to them. Now, the big question we have here is, why did Jesus say, don't tell no one? I mean, let's be honest. If you had the power of healing, uh, you would be on Twitter right now, right? You're not even paying attention to me. You're on Twitter saying, I have the power of healing. Let me show you this cool video from TikTok, right? That's what you'd be doing, right? Why does Jesus say, don't, don't go tell anyone? I think there's two reasons, real quick. Number one, this sets up a showdown with the religious elites. You see, he's saying, look. I, I believe in the law. I mean, Jesus sort of wrote it. I want you to go to follow the law. Go there and say, I've been cleansed, and a guy named Jesus from Nazareth did it. You see, now they cannot deny by their own ceremonies and rituals that Jesus really cleansed this man, setting up a showdown with him. There's another reason why I think Jesus does this. It's premature. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus all the time saying, please, don't, just, just don't tell anyone. Because it's not time yet. Eventually, Jesus will be crucified as a result of those religious elites in a corrupt Roman government. And he will be executed, he will be buried, and he will come back to life, defeating death and sin and shame and guilt and fear and everything. But then what does Jesus say? Well, look at it tonight, Lord willing. Go and tell the world. You see, it's premature. And that really is the point of this entire passage, isn't it? The point of this passage, and we make a real uh, dangerous error when we think the point of the miracles is for us to see that Jesus is a really good humanitarian. He just loved poor people. He did. He loved the sick and the hurting and the lonely. Jesus is such a nice guy. I want you to leave here and you go be a nice guy like Jesus. It's not the point of the miracles. Now, was Jesus a nice guy? Yeah, he was. He could be violent too when the, when the time called for it. But he was a nice guy. He loved the poor. Can I tell you why there's a problem with that interpretation of the Gospels? It implies that Jesus loved them and not the ones who would crucify him. You see, see, Jesus offers grace to everyone, enemies and friends and allies alike. And so when you th- make Jesus out only to be the humanitarian, a Robin Hood, if you will, who steals from the rich and gives to the needy, the problem is, is we think the rich are the bad people. The religious are the bad people and that grace isn't sufficient for them. That's not what you get in the Gospels. What we get in the Gospels is I am like the leper. It's not just there that as a sinner, I am like him as a spiritual leper. Because after all, as we saw, sin is likened in the Bible to an incurable disease, incurable leprosy. Uh, we saw a few examples. They were narratives. Let me see if I can give you one from one of the prophets. Isaiah uh, 1, 4 to 6. Alas, sinful nation. Notice there, sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity. Offspring of evildoers. That's fighting words there, right? Your daddy was evil, and his daddy was evil, and his daddy was evil. No wonder you're evil. You're offspring of evildoers. Where will you be stricken again? You see where this language is going? You see that we're going to use a a metaphor of leprosy to describe the sinful condition of mankind. As you continue your rebellion, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. Not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Notice there, again, he's using the imagery of leprosy, of the body 
body beginning to fade, bruising and raw runes, right? Untreated at that. So that is the sinful condition of you and me. And just like this leper only, God can heal and declare one cleanse. This is why the leper had to personally check with the priest. But healing can only come as a result of an encounter with Jesus. And such healing and salvation can only be received by faith. That's one of the things that sticks out to me about the story. You remember that these lepers had a, a, a habit, a pattern of, of joining other lepers in a leper colony. Everyone knew what the leper colony was. But I wonder in the story, where are they? We see one leper, but where, where's the other lepers? There more likely would have been more. You see, the difference is he believed that Jesus alone could heal. He believed that Jesus, by faith, would cleanse him. And he had the faith to risk more shame, more guilt, and more anger from the rest of society just so he could be touched by Jesus. So too, I... I do fear, like some of those in that leper colony, don't believe that Jesus really can do the things that he says he can do. Maybe there are some here today who believe that, well, maybe I've crossed that line with sin and evil and wrongdoing. Jesus couldn't heal me. The truth is that throughout the Bible, we see that God especially heals people like you and me. Like this leper, what we need is to be cleansed. What we need is to be washed anew. What we need to be is forgiven. What we need to be is saved. And, uh, and according to Leviticus 14, a leper could not be declared clean apart from a sacrifice. And this leper is no different. Not only because he had to go to the temple. That's made clear in verses 3 and 4, right? But what sort of sacrifice will be offered for this leper? Do you mind if we do a little bit of skipping? We need to see here and remember that Matthew's Gospels aren't that we can fall in love with Jesus who's nice to poor people and hurting, right? Matthew is trying to tell us something about who Jesus is. Every time you read the Gospels, ask, who is it that the writer is trying to tell me who Jesus is? And Matthew's no different. In fact, what we should do, uh, to be quite honest, is we should group the story of the leper with the next story of the Roman centurion and his servant, with the next story of Peter and his mother-in-law, with what follows is a summary of miracles of Jesus. Right? So what you get are 16 verses where, where it's miracle after miracle after miracle clumped together. And Matthew wants us to put them together. Right? Why? Because the real climax isn't that the leper got cleansed. The real climax isn't that the servant was healed from a distance and that the Roman centurion had more faith than all the other Jews. The, the climax isn't that, that, that Jesus was nice to Peter's mother-in-law and, and Peter didn't want to be nice to his mother-in-law. No, the real climax of the story is verse 17. You've got it right there in front of your Bible. What does it say? Look at it. This was to fulfill the leper, the centurion servant, we'll look at a little early next week, and Peter's mother-in-law. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. So if you don't mind, let me tell you how you can be healed by Jesus today. If, if you have enough faith and you see that so of faith and you send me as much money as you have in your bank account, I can promise you today 
you can be cleansed. Right there in Isaiah 53 that Matthew's quoting, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. See? Isn't that what the Bible's saying? Isn't that the point of the text? It's all about you being healed. Now go and be healed. Oh, and if you weren't healed, <laughs> it's because you didn't have enough faith. Or you didn't give me enough money. Private jets are expensive. That's not the point, is it? That's not the point. What is Matthew saying here? Matthew is quoting Isaiah 53, which uses this history of a metaphor of how often disease and sickness and handicaps are associated with sin and death and lostness and uncleanness and unholiness and evil. And he says that in Isaiah 53 is the suffering servant of prophecy of the Messiah, that he would come, he would bear my disease, he would bear my sicknesses, he would bear my sin and shame upon himself. Notice here, when touching the leper, he's saying, I will take what is ill in you. I will take your leprosy upon myself and I'll be nailed to the cross for it. The point of the story is that the sacrifice the leper needs is Jesus. The point of the story is the sacrifice you need is Jesus, who bore our iniquities. He took our shame and our diseases. That's the point of the story. You and I read the story and we don't read about a leper. We read a biography that I am the leper. And by faith, I can come and be cleansed. So imagine, again, being in permanent quarantine. No access to family or friends. No career, no job, no Netflix. Just use this you and your disease until Jesus shows up. But we don't have to imagine that, do we? Not because of a pandemic we've been living with for nearly two years, but because this is our story. And he touched me and he made me whole. Let's pray.